Gold Street uh, with this. You've heard of uh, Name That Tune? Well, I've also seen them where they complete the song. So I'll give you a few lines of it or something. Let's see if you can complete the song for me. The first one is, has been written in the last, I guess, 25 years. So that's pretty fresh for Grace Covenant. So uh, hang with us there. But uh, it says, Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. Do you know what? I could sing of your forever. That's good. Okay. We have a few that know that. Three of you knew that one. That's great. Let's see if I can do a little better here. How about, um, um, oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels. Some of you had that. That's okay. That's better. Third one, and then I'm done. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. How do we know? The pot. Of all the love songs ever penned, of all of the pitiful attempts of the secular society to try to write about love in a depraved manner, nobody can write a love song like the church. And nobody can write about love like God himself revealing his love to us. There are not enough words in any given language to aptly describe the love that God has for us. There are not enough notes on the musical scale that have been invented. One day in our glorified bodies, maybe we'll hear all the notes instead of just the scales that we know to sing of God's love for us. But while we're here, we'll scratch the iceberg and try. In this psalm, in Psalm 103, David will lead us today in a sermon of a song of praise. Now this is the Old Testament. I've said this multiple times, but if you're joining with me, we've been working through the themes of Advent, the theme of hope and of peace and of joy and today love. We've been walking through Psalms to lead us in worship that way, to get our hearts in tune with heaven. This psalm is pretty spectacular. Here are the three movements. It's basically the sermon. He's going to command his soul to worship. He's going to say, I am going to worship the Lord. That's how he's going to start. And then he's going to meditate on the goodness of God and begin to reflect on the character of God. And then that's going to become infectious to where it's not just him worshiping, but all worshiping God. David's going to work from me to we, as successful Christian living does. He's going to bless the Lord. He's going to indicate that his love never fails. And then he's going to close the song with bless the Lord again. I wonder if we might pray this morning just before we give our attention to the word. Father, we're asking you to let this psalm wash over us today. 
Really, I don't know how else to say that except to wash over us today in a way that washes away any of the thinking that is in our mind that is contrary to your word and to your work, God. To wash over us today in a way that your love pushes out anything less than. In Jesus' name, amen. The 103rd Psalm falls in a special place in the Psalms. Quick overview and then we dive right into the texts. How many knows how many books the Psalms are divided into? Not chapters, but how many books, how many books of Psalms do you think there are? Like if you were thinking like, I wonder if I've studied the Bible, how many books, let's see if any of the kids can tell me how many, let's hear, ready? You guys are amazing. I tell you, there's no crowd like the Grace Covenant crowd. Five books. This is at the close of book four, Psalm 103, four Five and six make up the final thought in this book four. And so they're going to close out this book talking about the benefits of God, God's care for creation, his, his wonderful acts on behalf of Israel, and his long suffering for a rebellious people that constantly kept missing the mark. The first thing I want you to write down as we look at the first set of verses in this psalm is this. Ready? I will worship. As you read through this psalm this morning, and as you read through the psalm, I hope this week in preparation for the Christmas season and the conclusion of Advent, in preparation for the coming of God, let this Old Testament pre-incarnation writing just bless your heart and stir you to personal worship. David's first thought here in writing this is a personal experience of worship. Gratitude just drips off of every word in this psalm. David's going to worship God from his inmost being. Let's look at the text together. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David's all in. This is not just a a casual mental ascent to something he heard or read somewhere. He is pausing before his maker, the creator, and he's saying, I want everything in me. Think of the Shema in the Old Testament uh, that says we were to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Because the Lord our God, he is the God. Bless God. The Lord, oh my soul, he's all in. Verse 2, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now before we start listing them off, we love lists, but before we get there, I want you to notice something. David is talking to his own soul. Have you ever done that? I know that you talk to yourself in the car as other cars come by. If I were somebody else. If I didn't have that Jesus sticker on my car, I'll tell you right now, Lord, brace, brace, right? Maybe you're like me and you've rehearsed. I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but I hope I'm not the only person in the room, right? Misery loves company. Um, Have you ever rehearsed like um, verbal jousting? None of you do that. Do you know what I mean? Like you're in the car and you're thinking, you know, if he says, if he says this and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. And, 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 and another thing, and I said, and the other day, and he don't even know, right? You don't even know. People driving by going, do you need medicine? Are you okay? Like, anyway, maybe you've done that. No? Pray for your pastor. Okay. 
It's not all negative, but you think about things you want to say to people. David here is talking to his soul and he's saying, worship God. With everything that's within me, I'm going to worship God. I need to remember some things. Now, we can play little jokes here about old age and talk about it's easier and easier to forget things, isn't it? The longer you live, can I get an amen on that or is that just, okay, now you're with me. That's good. You know, I was wacko for the thing before, but we are all forgetting stuff, so at least we're there together on that. In Deuteronomy 8, though, this is more than just like walking into the closet thinking, why in the world did I come in here? Or stepping into the kitchen and think, wait, what? Why am I in here again? Deuteronomy 8, uh, the Bible records in verse 11. I want you to hear this. Uh, Deuteronomy, by the way, the word means second law. So this is kind of Israel's regathered and they're about to launch into their conquests and this is kind of the final word that they have with, with Moses there. He says, take care, verse 11, lest you forget the Lord, Deuteronomy 8, 11, your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and statutes, which I command you today. He'll go on in this passage to say, you're, you're going to get to lands you didn't plant, to fields you didn't plant, to houses you didn't build. And if you're not careful, here's what you're going to think. We're pretty awesome. We're so awesome, we did all this ourselves. Wow, look at us. Hashtag living my best life, right? That's the temptation that we have. And God says, no, don't forget that. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. Verse 19 says this, listen to me. If you don't have it in front of you, listen. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you will surely perish. David is talking to his soul saying, I need to remember who God is and what God's done. Now, I think he's doing it in context because he's worshiping God. I think he's also doing it because God is worthy of honor. But I think he's also doing it because he knows there's a consequence when we worship anything other than God. You say men aren't engaged in idol worship today. Well, again, I've said this multiple times, but not necessarily in the carving of graven images, but we sure have things that dominate our thinking. And anything that you can't stop thinking about or you can't do without, if it's not God, it's probably an idol. We need to remember who God is and what he's done. What are some of the things that he's done? Now, Thank you for reading the passage earlier, uh, Brother Jeremy. So I won't read all the text here because I want to get to where we're landing uh, in the middle and toward the end there. But if you rock back through the text, I'll put them on the screen for you. He says, this is the God that forgives our sins. That comes first. It's the most important thing in David's life, Old Testament, and it's the most important thing in Chad Miller's life, on this side of the New Testament, and yours and mine. You and I have so much to praise God for just because he forgives sins. Like, if that was all he did, it's more than enough for us to fill up the night with praises to our God and King. David knew what it meant to be forgiven. You remember the serious debacle with Bathsheba and so many other times that he had failed the Lord. David also knew what it was like to need and want healing in his life and in the life of his child and to be denied that healing 
because his relationship with God was worth more than his comfort in life. Which is interesting that the very next thing David says is I want to thank God who, for the God who heals all of our diseases. I want to thank the Lord and bless the Lord because he redeems me from the pit. He has crowned me with love and not just any love. If you pick up, this is where we're going today. But with that steadfast, always chasing after us, never ending, never stopping, has said love. That's what the word is when you see that steadfast love and mercy or steadfast love in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful picture of God's special love that he has for us. We've been crowned with love. We've been crowned with mercy in verse four. He satisfies us, verse five, with good and renews our strength and our energy. This is personal to David. This is personal to David. There was an old gospel song years ago uh, that uh, this guy sang and he said, I'm going up the rough side of the mountain." And I'm doing the best I can. Old gospel song that uh, you may have heard, you may not have heard. But he got some, the writer got some criticism later on. And uh, some people said, well, you know, doing the best you can, you really ought to put your hands in the hands of the Lord. Of course, he acknowledged that. But the writer then looked at that gentle, loving brother who was pointing out the flaws of his song. And he said, I didn't say you were going up. I said, I'm going up. It was personal to him. He was writing about his own experience. David here is inviting us in, singing a song of personal worship to God. But let me tell you something about personal worship. It's not always private. And it doesn't just end in private worship. David knew that forgiveness of sin was the most important thing because his relationship with God was paramount in his life if relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives listen to me church family we need forgiveness of sin more than we need healing of diseases that's a hard pill to swallow when you're on a sickbed or someone you love is suffering but sin destroys relationship oftentimes suffering deepens it God is gracious, he's loving, and he's kind, and he's not sent the wrong thing your way. He loves you too much to do that. David moves from personal praise to now thinking and meditating on the character of God. If you're taking notes, second section, it's the biggest chunk of this psalm. He's going to meditate on how God loves. You see, we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, how do you know? What are some of the ways that God loves? And this is not just limited to David's life now. It's going to begin to grow and swell and get infectious. Let's look at verse 6 together. 103, verse 6. How does God love? Well, God works righteous works. Because God is love and, and God is perfect and holy, when God does something, he does it the right way and he does it the right way all the time. David didn't always understand this. He struggled with this in some other psalms, the way God was working, but he knew God's way was right and his way probably wasn't. God doesn't need our buy-in to implement his agenda. And he doesn't need your permission to move in the way that he wants to move. God is so good and also he is so righteous and holy. David didn't always agree with it and maybe you don't either. 
Certainly, I'm sure in the room, we struggle with God's timing on things. Wow. Lord, you're just about to be late. Or God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm doing all these things. Why hasn't this thing changed? God's ways are righteous. He's always right, and he's working things out on his timetable. He sees the oppressed. Look on. I mean, we look around this world and we wonder sometimes, is there true justice for those who are suffering injustice? Is there true help for the oppressed? Yes, there is. God sees that. He knows. May I remind you, in spite of all that you hear in the media, it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that has rallied to meet the needs of the world since there's been a church for the oppressed and those that have had injustice against him. We're the ones that have built the hospitals when nobody would fund them. We're the ones that took kids in when nobody would take them. And we're the ones still standing at the gates of hell contending for life and love while the world turns a blind eye. That's who we are because that's who God is. God sees and he works righteously and he knows the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. You say, are you about to go through all the Old Testament law? I'm not. Here's my point on that. He didn't hide himself. He could have. No, he's revealed himself. How does God love us? He, he hasn't hidden himself. He's revealed himself to humanity. And the God of the Old Testament, I wish Richard Dawkins was in the congregation this morning. I'd, I'd show him that he's wrong. In his, he's the one that's delusional with his picture of the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is a God of never-ending, always chasing after us, sharing love. That's the God that we serve. This father acts on behalf of his children. The God of the Bible is a God who loves, who reveals himself. He acts on behalf of his children. Look at what it says. He's made his ways known to Moses, his acts known to the people. The Lord, verse 8, is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. This is all tied up in the name of God. Even though we deserve wrath, even though you and I deserve punishment for our sins, God is merciful and slow to anger. He's abounding. That word means shocker, the original language, large. <laughs> That's what abounding means. We learned an original word today. Oh, yeah? Abounding means large. God loves large. <laughs> he loves with more than enough love. It's not just any love. It's that never-failing, unearned, undeserved, chasing after us, lavish kind of love. Now, I'm going to skip just a little bit to kind of drill down on that love of God. If you look at verse 11 and 12, David does this beautiful poetic thing that he does throughout many of the Psalms and, and, and begins to paint this picture. It is immeasurable in height. It is great in its precision. And, and you see this tidal wave of love in verse 12, washing our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Sorry, some of you direction. East is from the west. God's washed it away. You can't measure that distance. Even the square earth people can't measure that distance. Sorry, bad joke. So, God loves us with this incredible kind of love that the psalmist, who is rich in words, is struggling to articulate. The tidal wave of God's love washes our sins from us. Verse 9, his anger is but for a moment he will not keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with us 
the way that we deserve to be dealt with, but he loves us anyway. Verse 13 and 14, look at them together, please. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. What's the point here? I know that if we surveyed the room, I am keenly aware this morning that many of us have daddy issues and father issues. I was, one, I was raised in a divorced family with, with hostility between mom and dad at times. I was loved. I was very much loved, and I'm thankful for that. But it was weird. It was broken. It was bad. It was not good. And so I know what it's like to have an estranged relationship with a father. That's not the picture God's trying to call to your mind when he's calling and using the imagery of a father. This is a perfect father, an always present father who will protect and provide and pour out his unconditional love on you. You can't earn it. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to lose it. God loves his children. That's a good father. Now, it's good to reflect on just how different God is from us. And if you didn't pick up on some of that, David drives it home in these next couple of verses, and then we round the corner to the end. He, he looks at these last few verses, verse 15 and 16. Right before I get into that, listen, here's what he's trying, the point he's trying to make. We are not God, and God is not a man. <laughs> he's, never been, uh, he's never been caught off guard. I'm constantly caught off guard, right? What? You do a news feed, and you're like, what just happened? He's never been caught off guard. God has never entertained a sinful thought. He's never sinned. We and I, you and I are experts at it. We meditate on it at times. God is not like us. He is perfect and we are not. Isaiah the prophet speaking on behalf of the Lord said, the Lord says this, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Isaiah uses some of that imagery too. For as high as the heavens are, that's how high my thoughts are than yours. David draws a distinction between finite man and infinite God. Verse 15, he said, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. I doubt any of you wrote that verse in somebody's Christmas card this year. Hey, I was thinking, you reminded me of the Bible. You're like grass. Here today, gone tomorrow. Like, that's not necessarily Hallmark level there, but it's true, isn't it? Man, in all of his glory, man's days are like grass. It looks good. If you look at, at the scope of eternity, it looks good for a moment, and then is gone. And from an earthly perspective, there's not much evidence that so-and-so was here. If I polled the room, I know a couple history buffs in the room, so I wouldn't do it like open mic. But who was your great-great-great-great-great-grandpa? I know two of you in the room are like, his name was Bill, and he was actually in the such-and-such war. He drove over. I get all that. But for the rest of us, right, they were important. They had lives and families and Man's like grass, but God is different. Look at the contrast, verse 17. But the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. 
Verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. There's that word remember again. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Listen, when the Lord talks about himself, when David has a moment of worship and then a moment of meditation, he begins to think on how finite he is and how infinite God is. God would say through the prophet Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love and that love fuels my faithfulness to you. This is the kind of God that you and I serve. This is the God of the Bible. David describes our God as one who shares. He shares his love. He shares his righteousness. Verse 18, he shares his covenant. Unlike the grass, God's throne is established forever. Man's kingdoms rise and fall, but the throne of God's love is secure. This is our God. His kingdom is a kingdom of steadfast love. So David knew that he needed to worship God. David then began to meditate on why he worshiped God and how God loves. And now David will issue a call to worship. He moved from me to we. Church family, Here's our call to worship this morning. We will worship. In light of the goodness of God, in light of who God is and how he loves and how he forgives and the fact that we're sinners and he knows our frame, he knows everything about us and still loves us, we will worship. Indulge me for just a moment. I'm not gonna sing any more songs to you, don't worry, but Psalm 103, 20 and 22 Would you say these verses with me out loud? They're on the screen. Let's read them together. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Last verse. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The angels can worship. The obedient can worship. His ministers worship. His work speaks for itself. And the message His work proclaims is our God loves large. All creation will bless the Lord. David sings this song hundreds of years before the star appeared in Bethlehem. Can you imagine if David would have been alive like, and been the narrator of the nativity? Wow. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit of God used all these men to write Scripture all throughout these years. They wrote down the very words of God. It's amazing how God did that. Their authorship, certainly of David here, I've mentioned him multiple times. But we can have an intimate relationship with the main author, and that's God himself. David attempts to describe God's great love with immeasurable distances to get the point across in all directions, vertical and horizontal. Paul does something similar in Ephesians 3 when Paul says, we need the strength to comprehend what's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the, look at it, Love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know something that we can't know. I love it. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. What's the message of Advent? God is 
love. 1 John 4, the Bible tells us that God is love. And here's how he loves. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the savior of the world. The propitiation, the substitute, the payment for our sins. Not only is God love, but God loves abundantly. Remember when the angel appeared to Joseph, he was having some second thoughts and and wondering what in the world he's going to do with this now dilemma because Mary is pregnant and there's scandal connected to that. And the angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. She's going to bear a son and you're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Although our lives are frail and fleeting, God loves us with an everlasting love. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around things that are everlasting, always have been, always will be. God has promised to bless those who fear his name and nothing can hinder his work. In light of such magnificent mercy and covenant love, we will bless the Lord. It's a giving love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The fatherly heart of God this morning for you is a heart of love, inviting you into a living relationship with his son. I'm gonna ask Julia to come to the instruments this morning, and I wanna close with a reading from Romans 5. It's a fantastic passage of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles there, you can turn with me. I'll have some on the screen for you. It's rich to see it right in front of you if you want to pull it up. Here's what I would say. What a song of love. What a love that never fails. What a God that would reveal all this to you, to me. The Bible says in Romans 5, Verse 5, and hope, after he's listing all these characteristics, we have a hope of glory. And that hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Wait, I'm skipping past the manger. Remember, in Galatians, Paul would write, at, at the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son now Paul writes, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Verse 8, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church family, let his love wash over you today in a world of broken promises and broken relationships, and sometimes lost love and affection. Sinner, this morning, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, in God's love, he's inviting you to life. You, I don't want to insult you or take away from your experiences up to this point, but I can say on the authority of God's word, you don't know what living is until you live for God the way he designed you to live.
And it's awesome. It's amazing. It's incredible to have a relationship with this kind of Father whose love never fades. Saints, this morning, He's calling you today to remember. With all the messages going through your mind, with all that you've got on your plate, stop. Remember. Tell your soul to bless God. Remember how He loves and worship with the body. O love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much that we are woefully inadequate, insufficient for the task to even worship you in a way that you deserve, and yet you've given us so much guidance in Scripture on how to do that. Lord, I pray today that we would be overwhelmed with your love, not because we understand it to the nth degree, Lord, but because we've experienced it, and because it's a reality, God. It's just who you are and it's how you move and you love so much and so well that you have warned those who would try to live outside of your way and outside of your will that they don't have to perish they can have life and have life everlasting if they'll step into and be baptized into your love lord we love you we bless you i pray this week that you would mark our minds as we remember how well and how large you love. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen.